Welcome to Upthinking Finance, a podcast that offers a unique and discerning view of economics and financial planning. Here is your host, Emerson Fersh. Welcome back to another edition of Upthinking Finance. I'm Emerson Fersh. Author James Baldwin once said, the noblest spirit is most strongly attracted by the love of glory. It's been my experience in life that most people have an innate desire to serve others, to help when needed, to be a good example to those that they might have influence over, whether that's within the walls of our own homes, whether that's within our work environment, or perhaps within our faith group, or even serving in the community. I've had opportunities to do all those things at different points in my life. And I have to say that one experience in particular has had the most lasting impact and really changed my heart. And it was a ministry that was started by today's guest called Midnight Soldiers. And this was inspired by Pastor Rodney Nichols probably about five years ago. And the idea of it was, I guess the the mission statement would be that we were bringing expected blessings at an unexpected time. And these blessings were being brought to the homeless population in Los Angeles up on Skid Row, and the unexpected time was midnight. So we would go one Friday a month, we would meet at his church, our faith group and and his, get together, prepare resources, put together lunches, sandwich packs, hygiene kits, sometimes clothing, blankets. It got very cold up there. Actually, most of the time, including the summer, even the summer evenings could be a little bit chilly. And we'd pack up a few cars and we'd drive up and walk the streets for a couple hours. And what I really appreciated about that was first the time. Midnight has some significance in the Bible for any of you who are familiar with the parable of the 10 virgins or the parable of the midnight caller. It's kind of a, a time when Perhaps people's guards are down, and for others, perhaps when any hope that existed during the day has, has faded and been lost. And so we would show up singing some pretty cool gospel songs and marching along the streets up there at Fifth and Central, handing out these supplies, these resources to people. And the part of it I enjoyed the most was it wasn't just donating things, it was actually meeting people and talking to people and finding out how they ended up uh, on Skid Row you know, what their story was, um, oftentimes saying prayers or just offering support, emotional support. And I had just a number of really special moments up there that helped me realize that, at least for me, we're all connected and that maybe we weren't going to change anybody's circumstances, you know, one night a month up there in LA. But at least for that moment, people there knew that somebody cared about them, that God cared about them. I believe we were his messengers in those instances, but also too, that perhaps there was hope. And so today's guest is a good friend of mine. We call each other twin. And for anybody who's watching YouTube, we'll see the resemblance. Maybe not on the outside, but one heart and one mind. His name is Pastor Rodney Nichols. He was born in Long Beach and grew up in church. He found out at a young age that he had inclinations towards musical talents, singing and playing instruments, and very early was asked to direct the pastor's choir. As he got older, he continued to develop his musical talents, but all the while knew that God had a greater plan for him. And after 18 years of kind of avoiding what he knew was the inevitable 
uh, Rodney Nichols accepted his call to preach in June of 2000. He realized that because of his musical talent and his self-determination, and really probably most importantly his faith in God, that he had the ability to reach certain people. And so he became, very shortly thereafter, the pastor of True Faith Holiness Church for 2002 and served there as the main shepherd for four years. In 2008, he met the love of his life, his wife, Ronnell, and soon after graduated from the Bible Believers Bible College and Seminary in 2010 with a Bachelor of Arts degree. It wasn't too long after that that he and his wife, Ronnell, felt inspired to start, or as he would say, plant the Garden of Praise Christian Fellowship, which was initiated in 2013. The mission statement for this new church was to extend, equip, and deploy. They extended the hand of God to the lost. They equipped those who were seeking with the teachings of God's infallible word, and then those who were equipped were then deployed to go out and do their part to help build the kingdom of God on earth. 2015, Roddy Nichols received his honorary doctorate degree, and he and his wife, Ronell have served, continued to serve as disciples of Christ, running the Garden of Praise Christian Fellowship. Pastor Rodney lives by a simple motto, and that is, if God is in control, then we won't be out of control. So it's my pleasure to welcome my friend and um, mentor in some ways, coming to us live from Compton in Southern California, Pastor Rodney Nichols. How you doing, twin? Hey, how's it going? How's it going? I'm doing good. Thanks for making time for me. I know you're a busy guy, always on the move. Well, you know, my twin brother, I got to make sure I make time for my twin brother, right? That's right, you do. So I wanted to start, I mentioned in your introduction um, about this call from God that you were avoiding, and I wanted to ask you if maybe you wouldn't mind just explaining for people who maybe don't know what that's like or understand what that is. Maybe you could kind of explain what that was. Was it like a, a nudging in your mind, or is it just something God was telling you, you know, he know, knew you needed to do? Well, it's twofold, because it's uh, God telling you what to do. The thing is, a lot of times, we don't per se recognize his voice, or sometimes we recognize his voice, but we just try to act like we don't know it's him talking. But then the other portion of that is, he will nudge you, you'll be in different situations, and He'll nudge you. You'll get into not too good of situations and he'll remind you. And then he'll also send confirmation through other people. He'll actually allow other people to come and see something that he has for you to do. He'll he'll be on you. His glow will be on you in a certain way to where people can recognize. But for the most part, he'll nudge you. It'll stay in your spirit. It'll bug you. You'll run all you want to, but it'll always, he'll keep it in your face. When I got the assignment when we met when in my church, um, I knew about four years before it was coming. Same kind of thing. It just felt like it was there, and I was sort of in this preparation mode. So, and like you said, it's you kind of want to deny it sometimes, and maybe you think you know you're aspiring to things, and you don't want to be that guy. But you know, at the end of the day, you just kind of surrender, and it's, you know, with the Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. Indeed. Let me jump ahead to Garden of Praise and. You and Ronnell, did you both come up with this? Were you both inspired at the same time, or was this something that came to one of you and then the other one kind of came on it later? How did that all evolve? No, that actually came to me. She tried everything she could to deny, no, 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 because she could never grasp the fact of being a, a pastor's wife, a first lady. But no, God gave it to me. We were at, um, I pastored a church in Los Angeles for six years, and then, um, when God shared with me, my season was over there. He wanted me to go back to my home church and sit because he was actually getting me ready 
for the Garden of Praise. I didn't know what he was getting me ready for, but he wanted me to sit. So I sat for uh, five years, Antioch Church of Long Beach, under uh, the leadership of Pastor Wayne Cheney Jr. And that's where I met my wife. And then after we were married, God imposed upon my heart in year number five, he said, um, it's time for you to launch and uh, start your church. And he'd given me the name, and he'd given me everything, and I shared with her. And then she finally just said, hey, well, this is what God gave you, and okay, let's do it. So did you guys have to have conversations about how the, you know, the financial arrangements work? Because I know you've talked before, and maybe you can elaborate too on, you know, I think like you've mentioned in the past, there's a bit of misrepresentation sometimes of how people think of pastors at small churches. And so maybe you could talk about what the reality of it is, and then talk a little bit about how it's worked with you and Ronell. I told her, I said, well, the Lord is, is telling us to plant a church. And her first statement that she said was, with what? <laughs> and all I can tell her is, I don't know. This is just what he's saying. And so she said, you have that crazy faith. So this is what he told you. I don't know where it's going to come from. But and so I, I just kind of went and I, I called my godfather and he said, uh, do it. Whatever you need, let me know. And so I, I actually uh, called him and went and found a place. They told me how much it was. He told me to come and get a check. But God had strategically put so many things in place. And I think he did that for her to be able to know that it was him and not us and not me. Because um, when it came down to doing our paperwork, our 501c3 paperwork, our getting registered with the state, getting our, our name and, and getting everything that we needed to get, it was actually done for us for free. It was a, I met a guy and uh, that's what he did. And, and he was like, I want to help you. And he did all of our paperwork for free. And so things were just lining up, which allowed us to know that this was God's hand. We were doing what he wanted us to do because it just it lined up. He just put strategically put people in place. It was seamless. The whole process, it was pretty much seamless. And so, you know, that's how we went. And so we started that way. And uh, first service, we had almost 200 people that service. Wow. The room only was only supposed to have about 120 but we had people all over, you know, looky lose. A lot of people want to come and just see for the first time. It just dwindled off after that. And then we slowly started growing. So it has always been a, a financial challenge. Uh, I won't say a financial problem. I said it's always been a financial challenge. But again, God has always he's always strategically placed people in the midst of us that would help us in the midst of those challenges. Whenever we were short, there was always somebody there to say, we got you, keep going. So are you considered evangelical? Is there like an affiliation and are you connected to any bigger church or it's just you guys are your own kind of your own island? Is that right? We're on our own little island. Okay. We've tried to join with different, a couple of different organizations and it just seemed as if it was um, all about bettering them. We just have to skip along and hope that we get a a fish that fell off the dock or something. So I'm just one of those believers that when you have to work harder to build somebody else up and then three times harder to maintain yours, if we're supposed to be in this thing together, it shouldn't be a problem with us exchanging resources to help each other. Because if, if we're one, then we should all want to be great together. And that wasn't the case. So we just had to Sometimes God will say, hey, I want to make sure I put you in a place that everything that I do through you, that only I get the credit for. And so I'm good with that. 
you basically then rely on purely the membership to cover the rent, to take care of the bills, all that. Is that, I don't mean to pry, but I'm just, I think it's important for people to understand, you know? No, no, that's, that's, that's correct. It's not always easy because, you know, you, everybody don't always cooperate. You know, everybody has their own mindset. They, they have their own agendas and the whole nine yards. So, but that is the majority of, in fact, that is how we, we survive. We survive off of tithes and the offerings from the membership. I know when I was in a, you know, I guess a similar position in our church, you know, we had a, one of the strengths and one of the challenges was the um, diversity, uh, you know, across, you know, we had location in Orange County, we had our Long Beach congregations and some, you know, there was a lot of different socioeconomic levels. And I know that in our situation, it was generally the the areas that had, you know, higher income level people that kind of were able to support the other, you know, the whole, as you said. So, because, you know, it's hard, you know, you talk about tithes and offerings and particularly living in Southern California, it's hard enough just to get by, you know, almost $7 gas, but then you're asking people with rents going up. I mean, that's a real, I'm guessing that's, it's kind of a spiritual challenge that sort of dovetails into the temporal part of things. Yeah, it is, you know, and, and as a leader, our only thing that we can gear on is trusting God. And hoping and believing that through our teachings, that the congregation and the ones that are following us are trusting God as well. We try to make sure that we teach in a way that they'll actually experience what we're teaching through their giving and through their being obedient to see how God returns it back to him. Because just like the word says that um, he's not a man that he can lie. So when we know that, then we know if he says, trust me or try me and see won't I pour open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. It takes us to do our part in order for him to do his part. So in all of this, only thing that I can, that I have guaranteed is my faith. Other than that, you know, it's, uh, I leave it in his hands. I stress sometimes I work two or three or four or five jobs. If I have to, just to kind of make ends meet, we've been up and running for nine years. And I haven't been on a salary for the whole nine years. We keep going because that's what we got. That's what we know. And then my, my thing is, I don't do it for the money. It would help. <laughs> I wouldn't have to be like a Jamaican and take on so many different jobs. And then a lot of times, if I think that, you know, the giving is, is down, then we'll do fundraisers, you know, uh, different things like that. So you have to be innovative when it comes down to uh, not having that support system that's actually pouring into you financially. And that's an interesting thought because one of the things I noticed when I met you and also Pastor Russell, you really know how to work it because you had to. I mean, you had you have a lot of these connections, you know, with like the different restaurants and the, you know, these people that are donating. I mean, you really are forced to have to work it. And I remember feeling like because, you know, in our church, you know, basically you just have kind of a, a pretty deep checking account if you need it to do stuff, you know, and it's not like you have to be creative or smart. And I often wondered, you know, you're talking about moving forward with faith. And I think that element of it as a church leader, anyway, really gets removed. You know, you see people that are commit, you know, donating their tithing and and you see that because that's, you know, as you mentioned, you can't, you can't teach tithing. You know, that's the one thing it's uh, some people have to do it themselves to really get a, a testimony of that. 
but when you have such a like in our situation, just so many different people that just you have people to make up for the ones that aren't there yet. And um, so we never had to be creative, you know, and and I think that's one of the, the blessings that came from our faith pairing up with you guys, because we learned a lot, you know, we learned a lot about that. You know, it takes a lot of faith, you know, to start walking, you know, I mentioned Midnight Soldiers in the intro, but to start walking the streets at midnight, you know, up in LA, I mean, you tell people that, you know, and, and, and then they, you know, well, is it dangerous? And I said, the biggest danger is not getting run over by people that are driving down the street like maniacs. Right. But, you know, again, that was a faith move as, as as the same thing. That was a faith move. It was he woke me up at midnight. He said, This is what you need to do. He gave us the name. I told people they thought I was crazy. And I said, Well, if I got three people, I'm going because this is what he told us to do. And uh he began to set that up. We got connected with Pastor David at Ocean Gate, who plugged us in with the airport. They gave us a bunch of would always we would go pick up and we get sandwiches and parfaits and salads and so we already had food that was ready to go. And then God connected us with you all. You guys came out and we just was able to do a whole lot more from the call that he gave one man. I'm just grateful that he trusted me with it. And then it opened up a door and and built a bridge for both of our fellowships to be able to be an impact on people at a time that they thought they were forgotten about midnight. You know, it was just the quietest time of the night. Most people just like, hey, you know, I didn't didn't have much going on today. I'm hungry. And then what do they get? They get an expected blessing at an unexpected time. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And, you know, there's a lot that we could talk about on this topic because it's kind of what you said earlier. This body of Christ is broader than just within your own denomination. You know, right. it's it's a unity of faith that just transcends a lot of things that I think are really getting in the way of people serving others, people just loving each other. I mean, you could go on and on and on with it. And that Midnight Soldiers, of all the different things we did in our church while I was the you know in the position of responsibility over there, was the one that we drew the most people to. It just and people, not only active members, but people who weren't coming to church on Sunday. You know, there's something about doing and loving. And getting out there eyeball to eyeball rather than just sitting in church, you know, for two or three hours on a Sunday and then, you know, checking out for a week. And I guess I'm bringing this up, Pastor, because, you know, I want people to, the listeners, understand, you know, it's actually these smaller churches that I think really have the ability to make a difference, you know, and and I don't think it's right that finances ever get in the way of that. Anyway, that's just my opinion on that. You're right. Because the thing is, is in ministry, um, people don't realize and a lot and especially over in, you know, if I want to say, quote, unquote, the black church, what happens is finances is always the struggle when it comes down to being able to do more in ministry. And, and the reason why is there are people who mistreat the ministry when it comes down to the offerings. And all it takes is one or two people to do something wrong. And then it becomes a plague like everybody falls into that stigma of doing something wrong. And then that causes people not to want to give and not to want to do that. A lot of churches right now are folding because finances, you know, it's, 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 the finances are bad. You know, they can't afford to meet their budgets and things of that nature. It's, it's hard. But again, if we were at a place to where money was no option, there would be a lot of more successful ministries trying to do better things or bigger things for the community. Because I know if money wasn't an option for us, 
midnight soldiers would be all over the world, <laughs> you know, and uh, we'd have things in place to be a bigger impact for the community because we need to make sure that we remember that church is not so much the inside, but church is how we impact outside. Our job is to go out and reach, go ye therefore into all the nations, baptizing and making disciples of all men. So our job should be to go out and to tell a dying world about a risen savior. We get them inside of the building so that we can build, build them up and train them to go out and to help bring other people in so that they can be trained. You know, but our biggest thing should be train folks inside the building to go out. But we need to be able to have resources to do bigger things. And, and so that's where we stand. And with our smaller churches, that's just how it is. But again, when we stand on faith, we say, I walk by faith and not by sight. So I don't walk off of what the budget looks like compared to what the bank account looks like. I walk off of what God says to do because I know that if he told me to do it, he's going to provide a way for it to happen. And you see, Rodney, that's an experience that's hard to get. I'm probably getting onto a touchy subject here for anybody who's in my faith, but you know, our church has reportedly hundreds of billions of dollars. <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking that's a lot of money that could help a lot of people or people, again, churches like yours and Tories that are more really, I think, connected to the real need. That was the blessing that came from us pairing up with both you guys was we were getting to people who had pain. And, you know, I've sat and, you know, you can sit and talk about the, you know, the, the two great commandments all you want, but it isn't until you get out and do an experience. You know, Midnight Soldiers led, led us to a, a thing where we, we started asking people, homeless folks, their name. You know, and so instead of being this homeless person, all of a sudden they have a name, they have a story, they become a human being. I had a guy, I remember sitting, I was sitting in Long Beach on a rainy day, this young guy, and I'm driving under uh, Willow, I'm on, what was it, uh, Lakewood Boulevard in Willow, and I'm at the stoplight, and the guy comes up, and he had this, you know, had some problem, and I gave him some money, and this dude reaches in and gives me this big hug. And I'm thinking in the moment, you know, I'm not even scared, and I probably should be, but I just didn't, you know, you just, you get to that place of compassion with people, and it doesn't make right. you reckless, but you're very much more connected to, to the Spirit, and that opened doors to my heart to a lot of people. So, I appreciate you, man, and um, I like the way you've run your ministry. I know you've, and it's been a struggle. I mean, you guys have moved around to a few buildings, yet you're still doing it. Yeah, we're still plucking away. We're still plucking away, so uh, we've been blessed to be where we are now. We have a, it's an old Lutheran church that have been in the in the area since the 50s. We got connected through one of our members, knowing someone that was connected to one of their members. And they had been out of the church for over two years. And they were like, look, we're just looking for somebody that want to come in and be a blessing to the community. So they like what we were doing with the feeding and all of that stuff. And so they wind up letting us rent the church out and give us full of the whole nine yards. And they were like, we come back in our congregation is small that we can both be in here and wouldn't even be in each other's way. And so this past Saturday, we did uh, the feeding and some of them came up and, and joined in with the feeding. They were just like, this is wonderful. So, you know, this is just, uh, again, God lining up things. But things like this only happen when he says, if you can be faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over much. So it takes us to believe and not despise small beginnings and not be discouraged while we know we're trying to do well, but just believe and trust that in due season, he's going to make sure that everything is, is going to be what he wanted to be. And that's been our motto for nine years. And so far, so good. We're still here. We're still plucking away. 
Well, I'll tell you what. I remember, uh, I don't know what year it was, probably 2016 or 17. You guys invited us to your your church uh, Christmas party. And um, I've been to you know, a lot of different organizations over the years, different faith groups. And um, your congregation was so friendly. I mean, it was just like we were members there ourselves. And so, you know, that speaks to your leadership, my friend. So, so let's. I, I know you're, you're in the middle of stuff. You always got your work. You don't have a, a staff of people to to do all the work for the church. You're, a lot of it falls on your shoulders. Um, yeah. What's the road ahead for you? Give me what the next two to three years for Pastor Rodney and Garden of Praise look like. Well, our goal is to grow the ministry to the place to where our vision is. You know, we extend, equip, and deploy. And so we're in a realigning stage right now. So. For the next two years, I'm looking that we'll not only be able to grow as far as membership goes, but my desire is to actually have another garden of praise planted in another city where um, I'm grooming up a couple of our ministers now to be able to to take over that ministry and uh, impact that neighborhood, too, with authentic love. And so that's the biggest thing is making sure that people can feel the authentic love of who God is through his people. And the only way that can happen is, is if people are willing to stand up and to love on God and to love on people, should I say, through what God has given them. So for the next couple of years, that'll be our goal to uh, get another ministry planet, to get Midnight Soldiers back up and running, revamped with uh, the vans and things that we were looking to try to get. We're looking to get the step vans so that we could we're looking to get the step van so that we could actually have be mobile. And so with clothing and with toiletries and with food, and we actually have it in a truck, those are the goals. And so we're just going to stay focused and keep going. And as far as for Pastor Rodney is, I don't have to be a millionaire, but I hope that I can at least be a thousandaire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you what, isn't there a scripture about, uh, I'm so bad at this, but something in Peter about gold and, you know, the the word, and you probably know what I'm talking about, that, uh, you know, what's in your heart is more important than, uh, you know, whatever amount of gold you could have. Indeed. You're already rich in my book, my man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when we have the right mentality, we realize we've already rich because the Bible says that God holds the key to everything. You know, my father is rich in houses and land. So if God is rich in houses and land and I'm his kid, then I'm, I'm automatically rich. It's not too bad to have some tangible riches, too. That's not something that I've been that motivates me to do this or to do that. My thing is, I said, the more God blesses me with, the more space and room I have to be a blessing to someone else. I'll never forget my wife fussed at because I've given two or three cars away when I didn't have a car. I've done that. My wife said, you don't even have a car. You're giving the only car away you have. I said, well, this is what the Lord told me to do. He'll make a way. She said, I just don't understand this faith of yours that you have. You remind me of a story. When I first joined our church, I had a guy, because we were talking about fast offerings, you know, and in our faith, you fast once a month and then give the money to the, the local authority to use, you know, for the two meals that you fast to help those who don't have food. I remember him telling me, he goes, you know what? When you're struggling financially, that's when you give more. I've always liked that because it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're like you mentioned Malachi, that scripture earlier. It's like a challenge, you know, God's giving you, you know, prove me now herewith, right? Like, you know, is God not going to be true to his word? And it's like the total guarantee. All you got to do is be willing to accept the challenge, right? I've seen that in my life too. 
Pastor, I appreciate you. I know you're busy doing pastor work. I'll let you go. I just want to thank you for your friendship, your example. I appreciate you joining me today, and thanks a lot. Oh, man, thank you for having me, man. Love you, man. Love you too, brother. Emerson Fersh is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisor services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from Capital Investment Advisors. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and the companies they represent are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Capital Investment Advisors. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal expert. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal.